Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features UConn football duo Anthony Grasso and Andrew Smith, hosted by Darius Ducree. Okay. Uh, good morning. This is Coach Darius Ducree, KBR, Wiley Contractor, Head, Strength and Conditioning Coach with the 58 Special Operations Wing here at Albuquerque, New Mexico. Joined in today, we have Coach Anthony Grasso of UConn Football, as well as Coach Anthony Smith of UConn Football. It is a pleasure to meet both of you all in person. Uh, aside from the social media aspect, um, I think it's going to be very, very informative today. Um, let's go ahead and start off. Gentlemen, Coach Grasso, let's start with you. Two minutes. Who are you? Yeah, pleasure to be here. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, I, I, I want to say that I've started off in the private sector. I've graduated from Southern Connecticut State University, so I've been in Connecticut my whole life, born and raised here in Norwalk, Connecticut. Um, obviously now at UConn, so it, it's super you know, beneficial for me to obviously be here from the standpoint of having that pride to be able to be at UConn and to be able to see how things have progressed over the years. But you know, going back a few years, I started in the private sector I was there for about six years, uh, and it was during that time that I was really exposed to a lot of the ways that I think and approach things now. So I was pretty fortunate to be under a, a really high-quality mentor in Brian Holloway under a total athlete conditioning. Uh, and and one, of, one of the most important things he actually exposed me to was, was training in the, in the world of powerlifting. So I was fortunate enough to be able to train with what I deem the, uh, the best bench presser uh, in the world, or at least the one I've seen, Vincent Desenzo. Uh, he's of elite FTS. And... Uh, that was actually, you know, I, I know on my resume, my first internship might say, you know, at the University of Alabama or whatever from the collegiate standpoint, but uh, that was my first internship, really being kind of in the action, in the mud with these guys. It was, uh, you know, T.T. McCray, Carson Luca, Brian Holloway, Vincent Desenzo. I mean, these guys are, you know, talking about some of the, the top of their, their tier, top of the tiers when it comes to their profession and, and how they conducted themselves as professionals, just straight up, you know. Keep, keep your mouth shut, load, load weight, you know, kind of watch, learn, absorb, keep, you know, just kind of keep, keep picking things up as you go. And, and then obviously after a while, if you keep showing up, you earn their respect. And, and I think that was the first place I actually learned how to be an intern. And then obviously um, during that time, I was also coaching as well under Brian Holloway and, and he was exposing me to the likes of, you know, Charlie Francis, James Smith, and a variety of other influencers that kind of shaped the way that I view some of my training today. Um, from there, decided to move into the collegiate world. And then, uh, like I said, did an internship at the University of Alabama, uh, which was an incredible experience. Then I did an internship back up here in Connecticut, the University of Quinne uh, Quinnipiac University. Sorry. And uh, then I actually interned at UConn. From there, I uh, actually moved into the GA's position. From there, Coach King showed up and then moving to a full-time assistant. And then he promoted me uh, to the top assistant for football right now where I oversee uh, some of the sports science technology side as well. So, um, yeah, it's been a, been a wild ride and, and uh, super fortunate to have some of the experience that I've had. All right, thanks, Coach. Coach Smith. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, originally from Irvington, New Jersey, born and raised. Um, went to Irvington High School, played football for four years there. And uh, my junior year in high school, actually lost 100 pounds away. So I was 305 pounds and I dropped down to 205 pounds. And that was kind of the starting point in me falling in love with shrimp training and fitness 
Um, from there, uh, went to college at Kane University for my undergrad. Second year in college, volunteered at my alma mater high school as a as a volunteer strength coach for football. And it was my first exposure to coaching athletes. After that, I was blessed with an opportunity to get my first paid position as a high school strength coach in New Jersey, uh, also coaching football. Um, after that experience, I was blessed with the opportunity to go to Parabolic Performance, where I had the opportunity to learn under some great mentors that I still speak with today. Um, and there, we, we did a lot of NFL combine training, um, and we, we trained a lot of guys. Being in New Jersey, we trained a lot of guys that came from Rutgers University. Um, so that, that led me to my, my next opportunity, where we went to Rutgers Pro Day, um, and I forcefully introduced myself to the head strength and conditioning coach uh, for football at the time, which was Kenny Parker, and just kept in contact with him and his staff and was blessed to have an opportunity to intern at Rutgers football for a year um, from May 2007 to May 2000. Um, May 2017 to uh, May 2018. After that, I was blessed with the opportunity to go to Southern Miss as a graduate assistant, and there – I got I first, it was my first exposure to stepping out of football a little bit. So I assisted with football and also had the opportunity to work with men's and women's tennis. And that's where I began to start to develop more as a coach. Um, after that opportunity, I was there for a year and a half. I uh, was blessed with the opportunity to come to UConn as a professional intern. I was a professional intern from August 2019 to – October 2019 and then I was elevated to a full-time role as an assistant on the direction of Matt King so that's where I'm at today and just blessed to be around a, a great group of guys. Awesome. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch things up we're gonna kind of uh, uh, go through a series of some questions with our view specifically individually to each of you. Uh, Coach Tony I'd like to first ask you and this is a multi-tiered kind of question what is your motivation? When we say motivation, what I'm asking is, you know, what is your motivation to be within this field, this industry? What wakes you up? What keeps you going? I think a lot of times, you know, those who are trying to get into the field, those who don't know about the field, don't really understand the connection we have with the athletes and then as well the hours, the times that we, we, we put in. Um, so we grind. It could be a grind. So specifically towards you, sir, what is what is your motivation for being in this field and and and, and working with the athletes you have the opportunity to work with? It's a, it's a great question, Coach. And I think that it's what you're kind of describing here is right. Like the the common theme we hear around the industry now is what's your why, right? What like you said, what gets you up out of bed uh, in the morning? And I think I think it's funny because it's some of those things that also get you up out of bed that keep you up at night and and, and provide some of those sleepless nights too. Uh, I think for me, what what happened was when I was working in the private sector, I saw the world of physical preparation as a variety of different elements, sort of like a bunch of pieces to a puzzle that we needed to be able to put together and, and have that, you know, created some synergy between all the different elements and, and you know, complemented each other, yada, yada. And I thought that that was fascinating. I was like, wow, I mean, this is this is phenomenal. I love the idea of bringing a bunch of pieces together and kind of putting together somewhat of a, not necessarily a finished product, but a work in progress. Um, and, and then when I kind of moved into the, the collegiate world and I saw the way certain things were done and some of the ways that there was a little bit more of a, 
we have pockets and silos and things of that effect. And I was like, oh, okay. So there's, there's definitely some, some room for growth here. And then I saw some of the challenges and, and maybe some of the pushback that I got when it came to trying to implement these, these concepts of a little bit more of a, a global and holistic approach to training. And so when I saw that and I became, I became so passionate about the concept of being able to put something like that forward. And then also in return, knowing that there were some people that would, there would be some resistance that would come with that. It really has just driven me to the point where it, it really lights a fire in me every single day. And it's something that I show up every day, knowing in the back of my head, regardless of, you know, the time and the hours and some of those days where you may or may not be feeling your best, whatever the case is, I know in the back of my mind that that's really what is driving me is to really see this come to fruition, specifically at the college football level. And I think we've been fortunate enough lately to start to see a trend in that direction uh, but to answer your question yeah that, that's really what drives me obviously yes I, I want to make an impact in other people's lives and I want to have an impact on the, the kids that I work with and create character and, 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 and you know better human beings overall for sure um, but I, I don't want to give you a, a cliche answer and just say that I, I'm in this because you know I like exercising because if as far as I'm concerned if that's why you got into this field I, I, I think there's I think you're going to be a little bit shortchanged and you might be uh, yeah, a little bit short change on your, your investment when you see long term where I think this field can actually go and how much of the rest of these pieces, how many of these pieces actually need to be put together in order to see the holistic approach that we're looking for. Thanks, Coach. Kind of what gets me, that's what gets me going, you know what I mean? Okay. And Coach Smith, let's bring it down to philosophy. I'm curious to know what is your training philosophy and how does it meld within the staff at UConn, uh, bringing that, 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 that success and bringing out the best of, out of your athletes? Yeah, great question. So I, first and foremost, with, with my philosophy when approaching training is obviously safety. And what that entails is number one, uh, knowing what athlete you're dealing with and, and putting them in the best position to be successful. And then number two, creating a, a safe environment to train in. So that would be number one. And then number two would be understanding that every athlete is different and you have to approach training in a different way. So prescribing exercises as far as, you know, we, we want to get our, we want to increase our lower body strength. Everybody doesn't have to do a front squat. Everybody doesn't have to do a back squat. Everybody doesn't have to do a goblet squat, but you can use different means to train the quality that you're, that you need to train. So um, I'm very fluid in my approach now to where I, I, I didn't used to be that way. I used to be very rigid, but now I'm very fluid in, in, in a sense where different things fit different athletes and you have to understand what kind of athlete that you're dealing with and their limitations and what would be the best tool to use out of your toolbox per se, uh, to elicit the adaptation that you're trying to get. Um, thirdly is, you know, from a parameter standpoint, obviously increasing speed, um, increasing uh, relative strength through a full range of motion, um, increasing power output, all those things that apply, to having a, a better athletic performance on the field. Um, and, then, and then lastly, and I think this is a huge piece, is that ba uh, being able to um, some way, somehow implement uh, psychological preparation, so to speak, 
in your training philosophy and your training environment to where when athletes are put in adverse situations on the field um, or, or in life in general, they're able to adapt and know what pain feels like and knows what struggle feels like um, and train that mental aspect, uh, sort of say, so that they can flourish throughout tough times in their life. So, uh, so putting all that in, into one piece um, as a co- cohesive unit, obviously at UConn, um, all of us on staff, we have we, we mimic the same thing. We echo the same call, and, and our vision is the same towards the athletes. So it's a very cohesive environment to work in. Nice. Now, that was rude. Get me fired up over here. <laughs> Speaking of power development, Coach, you mentioned it, uh, Coach Grasso, you mentioned about uh, the, the technology side. What is some technology that you all have implemented into your programming but I want to flip that and ask also, how do you all ensure that it doesn't become a crutch? That's a great question because obviously, and I think it was, it was a question that I actually came across the other day where someone kind of said, well, we, we're, we're analyzing data and we're collecting data. How do we know? Because obviously sports science is, is definitely taking a step forward over the past couple of years. And, and you say to yourself, well, how do we know that we're not collecting too much data, like you said, to where it becomes a crush and where it's not, we're not using that humanistic side that we have to be able to make the proper decision. So um, just to answer your question, we have, we have catapult at, at UConn right now. Uh, we also utilize tender units in the weight room. We have just jump mats. Um, those are from a little bit more of like an external load metric standpoint. And from an intrinsic uh, data monitoring standpoint, we use like RPE and readiness assessments and things of that effect. Uh, but from, from the technology side, obviously catapult has been something that we've had since late August at this point. And it's definitely something I've latched onto, but like you said, you need to keep things in context and I needed to figure out a way to, to be a salesman to our head coach and our director of football ops in a way where they saw the value in this, but also be a consultant and be a, a human to the players and the assistant coaches that I was going to be dealing with and conversing with in terms of strategizing better ways to, to manage our guys. So that's something that I, I definitely feel that technology has, has actually allowed me to progress into when it comes to not allowing it to become a crutch is the connection that it creates between myself and the assistant coaches between just conversation, conversation between myself and the athlete. Yes, this may be something that is popping up on my screen and, and this is some data that we're getting some feedback from, but I want to go talk to the athlete and, and be able to use my, my coach's eye and to be able to obviously see what I see on the field, make adjustments in real time, and then use, use the data as a tool and, and use Catapult as a tool to kind of confirm or deny the direction that we're heading in. And even when it comes to that stuff, you still got to be pretty skeptical of, of the decisions that you're making. So, um, you know, I, I really enjoy the technology side because I do believe that it removes, we're trying to get closer to removing some guesswork. And we're in the process now of obviously trying to implement sports science, athletic training, strength and conditioning, sport coaching, like all of these pieces, sports psychology, figure out a way to get all these pieces together um, while being respectful of the history that sports science has had at UConn uh, and, and the work that's been done in our human performance labs, Corey Stringer Institute, Meiology Department, et cetera, et cetera, while trying to bring some of that technical aspect of the lab out to the field and then bring the field into the lab so that there's a little bit more of a, of a connection so that sports scientists understand how to communicate with sport coaches Sport coaches understand how to analyze and interpret or maybe have a little bit uh, more of a, an easier route to try to connect to some of the, the data that they're getting back and maybe see some value in it. So 
we'll track things like speed, explosive movements, distance, high speed distance for some of our skill guys, impacts uh, on, a, on, a, on a day-to-day basis with our sports medicine staff. I'll also take a look at everything that's really tracked in the game because I think the game is what's going to tell us the most about what we need to do when it comes to devising our preparation schemes for these athletes. So I, de- I take a look at what the game is asking of these players from a positional standpoint, and I want to work my way backwards. The, the weight room and, and what we do in strength and conditioning is just one tool out of the whole piece of the puzzle. So if I can figure out a way to really understand what the, the game is asking, you know, it's similar like a like a mechanic. I, I can learn all of these different parts around the motor, but if I don't understand the engine and how everything else kind of interplays with it, I'm not going to be able to do my best as a as an influencer and as a as a coach within within the program. So that's how we we utilize it. And I and as I said, to try to keep it from getting to be too much, I, I just ensure that I'm I'm you know Drew Drew will keep me in check because there's days I'll be in that office. I'll be looking at these monitors and I'm like get the double the dual screens up and you're you know I'm kind of going back and forth on certain things and then he'll come in and just kind of give me a little bit of a reality check and, and I, I try to use that. And that's where the coaches come into play. They're huge because. I may devise this scheme and I have all of these different, you know, models and ideas, but I may go talk to the linebackers coach and he might say, Hey, well, um, in the real world, um, this is, uh, this is the way things work. So it's, it's been beneficial for me to have access to that. And I, I think I've tried to keep a level head to, so that it doesn't become a, a crutch. So to you, Coach Smith, I've known Coach King for a while. Great guy, great coach. I'm curious to know, with, with you all coming from different areas, uh, different experiences, what's been your, from your view, uh, your, 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 your capabilities, your success in culture building, getting that buy-in from those guys once you all, you know, put the feet on the ground, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you want to hit the ground running, so on and so forth. So what's been a strategy when you all first got to UConn as a staff to both build your coaching community, your coaching culture, and then your buy-in and, and, and athlete culture within the weight room or strength and conditioning as a whole? Yeah, great question. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so Coach King, he actually got hired on um, a little bit before I got there. So he was there, I believe, eight months before hiring me on. Um, but, you know, during the interview process, uh, when I was interviewing for the position, obviously um, asked me uh, uh, marital questions to ensure that my thought process and his thought process and how he approaches things as far as a culture building standpoint was on the same track. So that that helped in that regard to where he was bringing in someone who already aligned themselves with the program values uh, prior to uh, me being brought on. So um, coming to coming to UConn and, and working with Coach King, um, just being educated on the, the values and structures and, and models that they already started to implement and have in place from a culture building standpoint. Um, and, and really what that is, is just everybody speaking the same language and holding players accountable to what we deem necessary and what we value in our program. You know, like, like little things like coming in the building, taking off your hat, right. Or wearing the same t-shirt during workouts, you know, and all of us coaches being on the same page, um, 
developing uh, a culture that everybody follows. And then it starts to bleed over, you know, as the kids see that from a coaching standpoint, it starts to bleed over to the athletes. And then you see athletes starting to hold players accountable. And you see athletes starting to run the warm-up session. And you see athletes starting to, you know, tell the athletes starting to coach up their, their teammates. So we could kind of, as coaches, <clears throat> after instilling that mentality, we could kind of sit back, monitor things, and just watch the program run itself. And, and that's kind of what we want from a culture standpoint and what we're – it's a continuous process. And we'll continue to build that on. And that's kind of what you want from a culture standpoint is a player-led team, a player-ran team, and a culture, uh, the coaches are just there um, administrating and, and monitoring things um, to, to make sure that things are going in the right direction. So um, I think – I mean, I could, I could give that one to Coach King and just commend him on um, the interview process and making sure that he was getting a guy that aligned themselves with the values that um, he deemed important for his program that he already started to instill at UConn. No doubt. No doubt, yeah. I like it. Good answer. Okay, so – Taking it, staying kind of on like the culture, the the buy-in kind of uh, of things, um, but more on the professional side of, of what we do. What, and this is going to be both of you. I, I like Coach Grasso to answer first. Um, what type of advice would you give to young up-and-coming strength coaches that are in the field? Second part is. What are some things that you think can be done to improve our field, uh, especially with some of the things that have occurred, positive and negative, um, so that we can progress in being the professionals that we know we are, but that we can be identified as? Wow. Coming with the heavy hitters. He's coming. He's coming with us. Hey, man. Wow. That's a loaded question. <laughs> loaded question. Well, um, wow. All right. So we'll we'll start out with with some advice. I don't I don't want to. I'm 29 years old, so I'm not I'm not terribly old, and I have a lot more to learn before I you know really start dishing out too much advice to some of our our younger professionals. But I do think I have made enough mistakes to be able to try to advise some of the some of the strength and conditioning professionals or just coaches in general who do want to come into this field and I really do think that and I've settled on this this word called interest right I really focused in on it interest to me is the sole indicator of whether someone's going to be successful in something or not I believe there's some psychology and some studies out there that prove that but you know whatever I'll leave leave that up to everybody else to go research but from from my standpoint I really do believe that if you're not interested in something and interested in all of the the things that that something consists of you're probably not going to be terribly successful in it now that's that's my piece and again coming from my thought process obviously as you guys understand now I'm seeing, I'm trying to see the whole picture and I'm trying to put myself in the toughest areas of each part of physical preparation and just human and and health and wellness in general to try to be able to provide the best that I can be. So if you're someone who's coming into the industry and say you just have an interest in general in say speed development or say you have an interest in sports med, that's not a bad thing and it's certainly a start I like I think we all started off at least I did I started off just I don't know I like I like training I like the environment I like the I like being with the guys you know what I mean so I was like I I like that is is that enough in my eyes now to be able to have gotten to where 
I am? Could I still have been, could I, could I have stayed within that particular interest frame and gotten to where I got now? I, I don't think so. No. So I think, I think if you're interested, that's a great start, but I think you need to understand everything that is, is applicable here and everything that you really need to know about. And I think that we'll really start to see, and that kind of bleeds into the next question is where can we make changes? Well, it's going to have to start with the people that are hiring the people that are hiring coaches, right? So we're talking working your way up the chain. If we have a hierarchy, and, and I think you know hierarchies have shown to actually have some success in, in the past. If we have a hierarchy that starts at the top, where say a university or an organization wants to implement a, a way of thinking that is solely based on interest and not just on certifications and criteria. And, and of course those things are, are important, but your interest level and understanding all the pieces that go into the whole, the whole program. So say, for example, you're a, you're a, you're an athletic trainer and you're interviewing for a position. We say, Hey, great. Like you're, you're unbelievable in the, in the physiotherapeutic mechanisms that we need to try to provide enhancement for our athletes. You, you understand this, you understand X, Y, and Z. What's your interest in understanding how those types of things play into the speed development strategies of the strength and conditioning professional? And what's your interest in understanding how some of those inner workings may take place in different periods from a tactical periodization standpoint in, in practice? What, what, what's your interest level in those? Not even necessarily what competence do you have in those areas, just what's your interest level? Because if you're interested and you have a good program and a good base, you'll probably be able to teach those individuals what that consists of. So I think I think interest is really something that we, we have to focus on. And I think continuing to really move forward, if we're really going to take a look at ways to extend this field and gain some more respect as a profession, we need to stop compromising technique for output. I understand that a lot of the situations that we may be put in sort of require that we develop outputs in a very short amount of time. I, I do understand that for sure. But if you're going to make the claim that, that, that you believe in the technical aspects of your program and that, that you, you breed discipline and that tr your training process is about discipline for the athletes, holding each other accountable, the, the, the ownership over the training itself, well, you can't really make that claim. And then when you walk into a weight room, you have a bunch of people who just don't understand and that players aren't educated on the difference between working out and training solely because there isn't enough emphasis put on the discipline necessary to understand. I need to earn the right to train. I need to earn the right to be able to put myself and us as coaches, we have to do it more than that. We need to earn our, our earn the right to coach. We need to earn the right for those moments where we want to blare the music get the chalk going, right? If we want to really get, get some high outputs on the turf, whatever it is that we're looking for from a stimulus standpoint, if we just go to it all the time and we get to have that whenever we want it, we're not showing the discipline necessary to work our way up, develop and give the athletes the tools necessary to then try to capitalize on that window of opportunity where you see a, a window to execute a high output, right? And I think, I think that that will take us a long way. I think it'll show that we're much more than just a bunch of individuals who can, you know, crank the music up and get guys going and get live. Of course, the energy is, is, is serious. It's real. We need to, we need to provide energy, but I'm not sitting here on this, this podcast right now telling you that, yes, like my coaching style is like, I'm, I'm bringing the juice or whatever, whatever, whatever terms are used in this field nowadays. I'm sitting here and you can, you can probably feel it through my words and the way that you look into my eyes. My passion is what these players and these athletes and these coaches are going to see and what's going to move us forward. My passion for doing things the right way, not just because 
I saw it done like this in the past. And this is some exercises that I've accumulated from my exercise library. No, I've developed a way of thinking. We're going to develop a way of thinking from a, from an approach standpoint. And then we need to figure out the tools necessary to go about executing as opposed to just doing, I see a lot of doing, right. There's a lot of just performing, right. As opposed to truly executing specific models and specific, you know, technical movement skills, for example, whatever that, whatever it is in your program that you feel you need to emphasize, all of it should be approached with the same mindset and that's, Hey, we need to teach them, give them the tools necessary prior to getting the cones out and all these agility drills and all this other stuff. And I, I don't want to go on a tangent or whatever, but we'll just, I'll, I'll leave some of that for Drew. Cause I know, I know that, you know, he posted something. I think it was you, would you, I think it was some, some in your story today on Instagram about culture. And, and I think culture to me and the way that we can move forward is, is really based off of one word and that's quality and quality is something that really can't be measured. It's kind of in between the scientific and the, and the, you know, the intellectual and, and some of the, the on-field stuff. It's really, it's really something that is almost like undefined in some ways in the philosophical world as, as well. Um, and Drew, I believe in that post, the, the, the guy, you can, you can give his, give his name a shout out so we're not plagiarizing here, but it was, you know, it, it was described as water. And I think it is one of those unspoken things where, when the players see that you're more than someone who's just providing a bunch of exercises that you've accumulated over the years and you may have an abundance of them and you may have a, a nice smooth progression of them, but when they ask you questions or when you try to explain to them exactly why this is happening at this particular point in time and why it, why it moves and complements well with all of the other aspects that we're implementing in this program at this particular point in time, it is then and only then that I, I think this field will – We'll take a massive jump forward and be something that that is a force to be reckoned with for sure. Sorry, Thanks, Coach. I, I, I a little aggressive, but no, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Coach Drew. Yeah, so uh, me and Coach Ant's views on like where the industry should be going is is pretty much identical. So I don't want to regurgitate too much of what he said, but you know, you know, going to give a, a shout out to the post that he was talking about as far as culture um, that came from Jeffrey Earls, who's in a social. She a director for football strength and conditioning at Penn State right now. And, um, you know, it, I mean, the way he described it as culture being invisible, I mean, water in an aquarium being invisible, but it's so important to the atmosphere and, and the um, abundance of the life of the fish. So it's, it's very similar to culture. It's invisible. It's not a, it's not a, something that you can kind of pinpoint, but it's so crucial to how um, the, the program flows and how, how, um, people in the program operate. Um, so yeah, shout out to him on that. And, and it was, I mean, I couldn't say it better myself the way he described it. Um, but going, going on the, um, the side of, you know, what the, the advice I have for young strength coaches coming in, um, like myself, I'm even younger than coach Ann. I'm 23 years old. I'll be 24 within a week. Um, but um, yeah, I've, I've made uh, in my short career, I've made a lot of mistakes as well. But I'll tell you one thing, two things that I look for when an uh, intern coming into a program is number one, passion. And it has to be it has to be outside of strength training or conditioning. It has to be something greater. Like it has to, it has to be something that is really going to fuel you to go and, and keep you driven uh, and motivated. And the second thing is hard work. You know, like without passion and hard work, those are two things that you can't teach someone. You know, it's intrinsic. So it, it comes with, you know, it's your it's, it's part of who you are. It's part of your personality. It's part of your identity. Um, so if you have those two things, I think you will flourish in this field. Um, and then the sets and reps, 
coaching cues and all that, all those things, those are things that could be taught to somebody. Um, so I think having passion and having just the ability of hard work and what I term as hard work is doing your best consistently, regardless of the circumstance. So, and, and if someone has that coming in, and approaches everything with a with a growth mindset and has passion about something greater than sets and reps, bench press and squat, then I think they'll, they'll be successful in really anything they do, but uh, definitely in the strength conditioning industry. No doubt. Appreciate that. It's great. All right, um, real briefly, because uh, we're in the midway point. And again, I want to respect you all time. Is there anything that y'all would like, any questions you want to pose to me uh, before we continue to progress? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I have one. I, I don't know if, you know, because obviously you're working on the tactical side now. And I think that the tactical side is so interesting just because you you guys will take individuals who have not necessarily been offered something just yet, right? And then figure out a way to, to identify whether they fit to your model or not. Uh, whereas like at the collegiate world, we, we offer someone a scholarship and then, you know, they come in and then they train that kind of deal. Um, so I guess like in your, in your eyes, if you could shed, you know, just basically some of the things that we've been talking about, shed some light on uh, some of the, the cultural aspects and, and just the, the differences, I guess. And, and also like where you, where you see that we might be able to take something from, from the, from the tactical side. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so one on the culture side, you're dealing with individuals that are completely type A. Makes it fun. Um, sometimes you have to pull back, you know what I mean? Because they want more. They, they you know, it's the, 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 the mindset sometimes it's more is better. And sometimes you have to like, hey, here's the kiss principle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Uh, but I, so far in my experience, this has been my second year in. Uh, prior to being here, I was uh, a contractor with the Army uh, with their whole PT change, uh, PT test change, excuse me. I liken it to football. I liken it to baseball. There are a lot of, I mean, if you look at just training anatomically, conditioning-wise, energy systems, it's the exact same. They need to be able to have repeated sprintability. You know, they need to have a level of, of conditioning. I try to use, instead of using the word endurance, because, you know, that's definition yeah, yeah. vast. Um, there's a level of relative strength as well as, you know, power, power endurance, absolute strength, you know, so on and so forth, making sure we work a full range of motion and the education piece. I mean, this is such a new niche. You you have people who, you know, special force units that have, that have had strength coaches, but the rate that this side is beginning to expand is really, really fast. So ensuring that we get great coaches to come in who know what they're doing, who can operate, who are personable, who can also network just like we're doing today, sit down and talk, talk is imperative. Um, because the difference, you know, collegially, you got wins, losses. We know you get a certain amount of losses, you might lose your job. Right, right. But you still live to fight another day. Whereas these guys and gals, their wins, losses is, is life and death. You know, so putting them in a position where they will be able to save, they're, they're going to be able to perform optimally um, to save not just their lives, but other people's lives. 
You know what I mean? To to carry out certain missions, you know, yeah. to take out the bad guy, our enemies, you know, is is very imperative. So, you know, just real briefly, like I have those who are able to power clean and power clean them. You know, those if you can't power clean, we're gonna deadlift. We're gonna pull from the floor. You know, we're gonna vertically pull. We're gonna horizontally pull. We're going to work that posterior chain. You know, we're gonna work in multi-direction. You know, everything that we have done or that you all are still doing in the collegiate world, we do in the tactical world. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just a little bit different because their readiness, that's where the differences are. Because you can look at, you know, an off-season and then it's preseason. You know what I mean? Or better, better yet, it's off-season and in-season. You know, there's times where they're in garrison, which they're going to be on base or within the unit, and then you're going to have to treat them like, let's say, a receiver, depending upon their body type, we got to get your body weight back up. We have to make sure your muscle tone is there. We have to make sure joint structures are, 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 are optimal. You know, you, you have so many different body types, um, depending upon what the job they're able to do, the job that they're doing. I myself currently work with the, the flying community. So, you know, I might have pilots that are flying six, eight hours straight. You know what I mean? I might have some, some guys in the back end of a helicopter, and this guy might be six foot five, 240 pounds. You know, and I'm only, dude, I'm 5'10, about 260, 270. I got to slide to get. <laughs> That, that, that helicopter, you know, so just imagine, you know, like one of your linebackers or one of your OD linemen getting back there. You know what I mean? So looking at what is the, the injuries and the mode of injuries that occur and how can we bulletproof, you know, or injury proof as much as possible. You know, I employ a lot of ISOs, eccentrics, old school, man, tri-phasic training. Um, yeah. You know, Cal D, shout out. Um, I'm a big fan of using the tier. Coach Joe Ken, shout out, you know, just employing different methods because, you know, what might work for this one community, you know, like I might be dealing with some 130 guys um, who, you know, they're a larger plane. They can move anywhere from supplies to people, but they're flying eight hours. What's their core strength like? You know what I mean? They're going to deal with a lot of back pain or what have you, as compared to like, someone who's flying a helicopter, rescuing people or working with, you know, some PJs or, uh, or whatnot. What do they need to be able to do? So when I walk through the door, I likened it to football for that specific reason, because we have to have, you know, that one to here's, here's our template. And we can kind of, you know, it gives us that, that blueprint of what we need to follow but now I need to look at, okay, here's my skill position, guys. Here's my mid-skill. Here's my hybrid. You know what I mean? Because of those body types and because of what they do, now I'm, I'm better apt to be able to generate the program that's going to be best suited for them. You know, but a lot of it is just oh, health, man. A lot of it is just we got to keep you as healthy as possible. Um, and then it's, it's – and I still run percentage-based programs. You know, um, we are a schoolhouse, which depending upon what that person flies, you know, it helps. It gives me a good amount of time to be able to, you know, uh, plan out anywhere from, you know, a, a four to six month macro to a 12 to 18 month macro. 
You know what I mean? So being able to really generate, you got guys that play ball, girls who play ball, and you have those who have never touched a weight in their life. You know what I mean? the the you you get a good, great variety of athlete that's coming in that you're going to be able to touch um and it's just knowing where to start them at some of them just don't have any 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 self confidence you know what i mean in the weight room and then i always let them know like we're going to condition as well i'm not just a weight room guy that's not just what we do you know you have to have that level of conditioning because we know training also mitigates stressors and we have to elicit a certain amount of stress on your body physically and mentally to elicit the the adaptations that we want so if anything happens you're ready to go boom you know the stress or let's say using heart rate somebody's resting heart rate is a, a, a let's say a 45 and then a high stress environment because they're well trained it might bump up to a 50 55 as compared to someone who was deconditioned not training their, their resting heart rate could be let's say at a 60 and then the, the crap hits the fan and they're up to 100 but we got problems man <laughs> Right, no doubt, no yeah. doubt, yeah. And I, I, I commend you on on everything that you're doing there. I, if, just a follow up question on that, if you don't mind, Drew. Um, it just so first of all, it, it seems like you've done a really great job of identifying. Like we just talked about, we're going to try to figure out what football is asking, and then we're going to go from there. You've identified obviously the specific parameters that they may come across in combat. And I would imagine that it's probably a, a very emotional, I don't know if emotional is, is the proper word, but uh, an almost a very psychologically taxing job, knowing that the impact that you're having, like you said, it's much, much deeper than wins and losses. And it's much, much deeper than, you know, the training itself, right? So when you look at these individuals that you're having an impact on, you know that you're, you're touching their lives in a way that's going to go... I mean, who knows? It's like I said, it's it's kind of like I don't have words for it right now because it's probably something that can't be spoken into in, out into existence. So, I guess my question is from from the standpoint of you talked about um, the resting heart rate and and just like stimulus levels, arousal levels. Like, what what is it? What is it like in a tactical setting when it comes to you guys? And obviously, but you know, we just touched on a little bit in the football world where everything is always be at a level ten, go as hard as you can at all times always be juiced up, always be like that. But we, we know, obviously, that, that that's not possible and that we need to, like I said before, pick certain times and certain modes where we want to go to that fire and, and so that, you know, we, we understand what's happening when we do go there. What's it like in, in the tactical setting for, for you guys? Is it more of a simply just understand what needs to be done from a technical and tactical understanding standpoint and a perspective of training? And, and you know, what's, what's the quote? It's like, I don't, I don't rise to the occasion. I sink to the level of my training, whatever the case is. I think, is, is it similar to that? Or, or you know, what, what is, what's the environment like? Like, do you, do you try to pick and choose certain times to, to go to that place or? Um, man, I, I really, so recently we just saw this, so we have an in-processing uh, where students they could be waiting for a period of time once they get a chip, you know, an opening to be able to start their their coursework academic and then they transition into, you know, flying or whatnot. Um, so it's a, a big thing for me has been that culture building piece. Um, because those, like I said, you have those who are bought in, they, they understand the benefit of training. Um, the great thing, the flying world is, is pretty, you'd be surprised, it's, it's very relaxed. 
You know what I mean? Because you have to mentally, that stress level is so high that you want to be in a position where you want to be relaxed as much as possible. You really don't have to bring the juice. You right. know, for me, it's more so here's the why to the what. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then here's, then we transition to how does it translate or relate to what you do? And if right. you answer those three questions, they will go. Mm, yeah. I had a guy, um, one of my student pilots, uh, was blessed to have him, former Academy athlete, uh, Air Force Academy athlete. So he came in, immediately bought into what I what I had. And I mean, just, I had to just expand my program so much. Um, Hit the, you know, I think he started like 165 pounds, got him to 173. You know, we're hitting different, you know, uh, points and peaks that we were looking to based upon what he was wanting to accomplish. Um, but a lot of it can be on that individual level. There's some that are really into the powerlifting. That's something that I've had the, the, the experience to, to, to be able to do, to be able to train. Um, but still getting them to, to understand, like, you have to be this complete athlete. So, yeah, you to the strength level, you know, we're going to be mindful. But at the end of the day, you know, there is a certain amount of conditioning that you need to have, and it's going to benefit you. Um, but for the most part, when they're coming in, they're jovial. We're having fun. We're teaching. You know, like I said, the, the – the, the three groups that I'm starting with that are small now to try to build more of that culture, you know, it's been, we've been working typical goblet squats, uh, goblet ISO split squats, you know, little tidbits. And here's the reason why we're doing this. Here's how it translates to you being able to stepping off an aircraft and preventing yourself from getting hurt. Sure. Yeah. Jumping, you know, jumping and going up of a wall, transitioning, you know, what I'm saying through certain body positions, you know, similar to when I was working with the Army. Here's the reason why, you know, you're yeah. never going to run two miles straight away from gunfire. <laughs> yeah. You have the that repeated sprint ability, just some of the things that we run. So. In my program, you know, keeping it simple, stupid. I said to myself, well, when I first came in, let's see if they can one run tens. Can they do that? You know what I'm saying? The first time I, I did that with a, a military battalion, it smoked them. They've never done anything like that before. You know, do you have the ability to do interval ladders, if you will? You know, so we haven't even hit yet. That, that that change of direction piece, that's going to really, you know, get to them. But information, they feed off of the information as compared to, like, on the collegiate side, you know, we talk to the athletes either pre or post, here's why we do it, so on and so forth. But we know with that scholarship, you know, a lot of a lot of kids being able to change their lives, their family lives, you know, if they get the opportunity to play pro ball, it's that whatever you need me to do to do it, I'm going to do it. Right. You know, so within this side is I want to do whatever you tell me, but I need to know why you're telling me this, you know, because at the end of the day, I need this to be able to translate to me being able to come home. Right. Yeah. My unit to come home. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a very relaxed environment, man. There's this, 
you know, the, the, bringing the juice. They already, they already have it. Why am I going to bring someone whose whose career field is at a level, you know, a stress level one to ten, and they're at a twenty? You know what I mean? I need to go ahead and let's keep this as relaxed and enjoyable as possible. You know what I mean? So then that way it's going to be not a stress level of training is going to be there. Sure. Yeah, to be able to do that, but in terms of just overall, I mean, it's just similar. Like you're kicking back in the office, and some of your guys come in and they're hanging out with coach, you know, whatever. You know, it's it's similar to that type of culture. Mm, no doubt, that's awesome. And and like I said, I I commend you for for what you do, and I know that that must be challenging at times, and and psychologically, I guess a roller coaster in some ways. But that, that does sound awesome. And it does sound like something that you do have to take into consideration. I feel like if they if the players believe in whatever it is that you're implementing anyway and they believe in, in who you are and they believe in the and they take pride in being a disciple of your program, they're probably gonna bring that juice themselves. You know what I mean? I, I, they shouldn't have to rely on anybody else to to do that for you anyway. Of course it's you know. I don't want to mistake myself here, and, and you know, I, I think I speak for Drew as well. It's not like we're coming in there and you're sleeping, but um, I, I think we need to kind of pick and choose when we go to that place and, and have a reason as to why. And 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 then I think I think that buy-in will definitely generate itself, and, and from that standpoint, for sure. Was Drew anything, sir? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just you know, so I can use this as a learning. Also, I mean, you gave great feedback. I appreciate that. Um, in your in your entire career, what was one of like the biggest mistake that you've made, and what did you learn from it? And kind of, if you could look back, how would you approach that now? Man, where do I start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think that late late on. So a little bit my my about my, about my situation. Like I didn't play college ball, so I liken myself to being a blue collar strength coach. Man, I started as a personal trainer in undergrad. You know, I had no clue what strength coach was. I did a year of physical therapy school, hated it with a passion, and but that's where the door opened on. Hey, this is what I want to do. How do I improve performance? How do I aid in the decrease of injuries. How do you know? It's just those questions that we ask ourselves every day, um, you know. But learning how to really network and network early yeah. is something that I learned later on in my career, um, you know. And and using social media, you know what I mean. I, I tell young strength coaches who ask me, I'm like. It's so much easier. You got Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, whatever. Kick, uh, was it TikTok now? Whatever. Send a text. You know, send a DM. Hey, coach, how you doing? How's your family doing? Especially during this time with COVID. You know, right. once a week or once every other week. Hey, coach, I got a question for you. Or hey, coach, can I do you know a site visit or what have you? Can I come down and visit? Right. That I really learned later. Um, but it's also been a benefit, you know, um, I'm going to give a shout out to a big time, like one of the first strength coaches in America, coach Dana LaDuke. Um, I got to get on myself and kick myself in the butt. I need to give him a holler, but 
you know, being introduced to him, being able to pick his brain. And then from there, some of a lot of the other coaches that periodically I've learned through, you know, trial and error to stay in contact with, um, because you don't know where your next job is going to come from. You don't know where your next opportunity is going to come from. Um, and then also, you know, we should always be continual learning learners. You know, I've been able to obtain just as much information from you guys as you may feel like you picked up from me. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like technology, that's something that we're looking and that's growing within the tactical world, you know, um, you know, building upon that. Uh, so definitely network. And, and, and what's that old saying? Look not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Have that mentality when you network. You know, when I met a, a, a little brief story, I met Coach King through Facebook when he left Maine and went to Columbia. And we were going to, I think it's San Antonio, the NSCA's coaching conference. And I said, hey, I'm going to be there. I'm, at the time, I was a director of center conditioning at Prairie View, so it was like a three-hour drive. Yeah. Met him, met the assistant, met the head guy. You know, coach left, uh, coach King left for Washington. And I said, hey, you know, I would love the opportunity to be able to move on and, you know, experience more. And he helped me get that job at Columbia University. You know what awesome. I mean? So having that network, and then he and I are still in contact through Instagram, Facebook, and just regular text. You know what I mean? You know, so yeah, he's that and there's some other names that I can name out there so I can't name them all but having that you do having that network um, being in that position because you know just like what we're hoping for is with the tech tactical world as the education piece expands within our our fellow strength coaches you know that we're not physical you know fitness test professionals we legitimately get after it just like any other sport being in a position to help expand that uh that base you know and so then now let's say if one of you all want to come on through or you have more questions, you know, you can give me a holler. Another coach I could put you in contact with, you know, because I think that improving, that's another means of which to improve our field. You know, we got to get away from this logo chase. And that's easier said than done. When you're a young strength coach, I was there. You know what I mean? So, but, but now since I grew up, and I've stepped away from, let's say, the collegiate side. I may be able to, I may go back. I don't know, you know, what God has in store for me, you know. But since I've been in the tactical world, it's like, it's just straight coaching. That's right. it. Does not matter what logo you have on your chest, you know, what region you're in, if you SEC, ACC, PAC, big, it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is, have I trained this person well enough or these group of people where when they transition to wherever they're going, they can perform as well as they can and they can come home, you know, within, of course, rationale, certain things we can't prevent, unfortunately. You know, and so it's just purely coaching, man. So have that network, be able to contact people, have those questions, just be able to go to a conference and hang out. Yeah. You know, next conference, I'll see you two guys 
hey, let's go get something to eat or something like that. And, you know, but I think a lot of young coaches need to really, as they grow in the field, if they can really harness that aspect, because we are in a very much so social field, I think that they're going to be able to grow leaps and bounds. You know, the book knowledge is only going to take you so far. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That that makes sense. I mean, that's it's it's also. And I think what you're really talking about here kind of goes back to. I mean, you know, more we talk about respecting those who have paved the way, paved the way for us, and actually have come before us, and and paying it forward in a way. And I think that is one thing I do think our field is is pretty good at. You know, I, I and that's I guess you know, yeah, kind of going back to like when when you ask what what gets us out of bed in the morning, it's so funny because everyone always talks about. I'm, I'm on the hunt to prove everyone who ever doubted me wrong, right? And it's like, well, that's great. And, but those people probably already forgot about you, right? What about proving people right? All those people who have actually paved the way for you, who believed in you, invested in you, sacrificed for you, right? So obviously for, for me, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're thinking of things like, well, you know, my, the, 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 the sacrifice that my parents had to make in order to help me get through my unpaid internships when I was, you know, 26 years old and I wasn't collecting a paycheck for whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, those are, those are the people that, that, that you really need to try to identify. And like I said, proving people right is, is important because those people are invested in you and they're still invested in you, right? So like my parents, obviously, and then you go back to your former mentors, like for, for me, obviously been Brian Holloway and then um, you know, when I was down in Alabama, you talk about Scott Cochran, Josh Hampton, Jason Pollock, Coach PJ, um, like, like, like just, just good, good guys, right? And then when I went to Quinnipiac, Coach Prajesh Patel, I mean, B, we, we talk every single day. He's constantly finding out ways that he can help me grow and taking the time to invest in me. And obviously now Coach, you know, Coach King and then prior to Coach King, Coach Klein. It's like th- these people who are invested in you. And, and we got to give a shout-out to our, our Coach Randy Edsel because uh, he's over at UConn Football making sure that, that he's, uh, he's given everything he has. To, to ensure that there is a turnaround there, he continues to invest in us and invest in his employees. Invest in, like we, we have no choice but to prove these people right. Those are the, there's something on the line there. I fear letting someone down as opposed to trying to prove the, you know, the person who, you know, kind of doubted me at one point or another. Of course, that's there. And, and you know, I think if you all watch the, the last dance, right, with Michael Jordan, we all know that, yes, that, that can be a certain motivating factor. Those people who, you know, put you down at one point or another who may have provided resistance, but... Um, like you talk about paying it forward and, and, and taking pride in, in our industry and making sure that we're connecting on a, on a human level is something that I think I've seen a lot of over this quarantine for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I, pre- I appreciate that answer. And that, that was like a, a big solidification for me right there because that's one thing that I actually was taught like early on in my career, like coming in, hey, network, 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 always keep in contact with people that have helped you out and paved the way, kind of, so to speak, for you. And, you know, I, I, I appreciate that answer. That that uh, that clarifies some stuff. Oh, no problem. Gentlemen, we've come to the end of our time, but I still would like to ask each of you just for a couple of minutes, this is our knowledge nugget period. If you could just share, it could be something that you've read, a book, a website, anything that you know you would like to share that is going to, you know, increase our knowledge or you know, as a field, as an individual, um, you know, it could be a saying just like the, the 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 culture and water, you know. So either or, it's up to you, Coach Tony. Yeah, so uh, it's funny because Drew and I are probably going to give similar answers here. We've uh, and that's something that I like about Drew is he has similar 
interest that, that you know similar interest to mine so it, it's it's nice every once in a while to, to yeah i know you say like you know expose yourself to people who don't think the same way as you but every once in a while it's nice to be around someone who does think similar to you and kind of have you know follow suit you guys can really uh, bounce ideas off each other so uh, the book that i i most recently read you know is early i think it was like 2018 uh the, the governing dynamics of coaching by, by james smith i don't even think that that book is just solely for by any means it should not be limited to the strength and conditioning community or even the athletic community i think you know, even someone like yourself in the tactical realm. I mean, obviously, he's done a ton of work in the tactical field. And um, so, yeah, the governing dynamics of coaching and, and, and just being a part of I'm a, I'm a member of his website, the, the Conclave. Uh, big shout out to global, globalsportconcepts.net. Um, and I'm currently reading Franz Bosch's book, Running with Drew. Actually, we have a we have a little Google Doc that we've been trying to put together. And, you know, we read five pages a day because that's about all, all that we can handle in that technical book. <laughs> book is pretty heavy. So we uh, yeah, read five pages a day, type in some notes, and uh, try to build off each other. So, you know, those those two books, I, w- I would say, really kind of shape. And then I think the concepts and the ideas of, of the work that Fergus Connolly has done with, with, with Cam Joss and, and uh, you know, co-active models. And, and Miladin Jovanovic, uh, sports scientist from Serbia, has done a lot in terms of tactical periodization that I think uh, – um, you know, a lot of the young professionals coming in would be very, very beneficial to to take a dive into that for sure. Appreciate it, Coach Smith. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, all those names are phenomenal, yeah. Coach Grasso. Um, as Coach Grasso said, I'm just add to the list. I mean, like guys like JB Marin. Um, a lot of his research on uh, uh, force velocity profiling and, and sprint mechanics and things like that is phenomenal and very interesting to look at. Uh, Matt Ray and his research is, is very similar too. Um, yeah. Very interesting stuff and intriguing information. Um, one podcast that I love to listen to that has a lot of good guests on it as well as is a Just Fly Performance podcast. Uh, Joel Smith, he runs a, a great podcast, and he has a lot of uh, big names and a lot of knowledge that comes out of there. Even smaller names that are, like, up, or, up and coming in the field of strength and conditioning. Um, my first mentor um, is huge and a, a big influence in my life, which is Justin Moore. And he was uh, – mm. he's a, the head performance coach at Parabolic, where I interned for three months doing NFL combine training. Phenomenal – phenomenal guy i mean wealth of knowledge like this i mean to me he's on the next level and and you'll hear if if you don't know of him already you'll hear about his name coming up soon i believe and then uh yeah last but not least um a a guy that i followed um his his work is charlie francis um Derek hansen you know those guys being around kind of with the same thought process and learning off of off of each other network and like he's provided a lot of information as far as training sprinters and uh, microdose and obviously his high-low model and things like that. I mean, just phenomenal information that is provided and, and open to us as strength coaches. Um, and I, I recommend it. If you, don't, if you don't do anything or you don't go read about anybody, I, I would definitely suggest going to read up on Charlie Francis's work. It's, it's phenomenal stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, sh- I should have mentioned him first. I was beating myself up, actually, that I mentioned it. Char- Charlie, I mean, if obviously, if you're someone who's influenced by James and you're influenced by by Charlie and even James said, James Smith said, you know, he, he, he without knowing, I think he might have created the most comprehensive training model for American or just international sports in general. So yeah, shout out, shout out to Charlie, big time. Yeah, go check out, go check out any of Charlie's stuff for all you up and coming strength and conditioning professionals or just coaches in general. He uh, he uh, he saw some things that that I don't think any of us were able to see or still aren't seeing in some capacities but yeah he's he's got a he's got a good outlook to make the really complex very simple so and Derek Hansen's done a really nice job of keeping his work alive 
Sure. Coaches, I want to, want to tell you both, I, I appreciate your time. I thank you for coming on, being open, giving out all this wealth of knowledge, especially. Um, hopefully things are going to be starting to pick up soon for you guys in terms of yeah. COVID and everything. Hope your families and your athletes and your staff are doing well as well. Um, you know, uh, we'd like to end on a positive note. Uh, thank you. And we'll be looking forward to seeing you guys grow and progress both at UConn and future endeavors. Uh, have a great day. And hope to speak to you guys soon. Appreciate it. Thank Derek. you so much, Coach. Appreciate it. Yeah, Coaches.